Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful future exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life. And for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topics and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now here's your host, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. In this episode, we are going to talk with a tax expert who's going to share his advice on how to minimize what the IRS takes from you when you sell your business. We all need to know about that. But first, let's hear from our show sponsors, Sunbelt Business Advisors, JAK CPAs, and Keys Strategies. You wouldn't go deep sea fishing without a guide or skydive without an instructor. So don't sell your business without a broker. Now is a great time to sell a business. Many are selling at a premium. Contact a business broker at sunbeltminnesota.com or call Sunbelt Business Advisors at 612-455-0880 and get a free confidential business valuation so you'll know what your business might be worth because selling your business is the biggest financial decision you may ever make. There is a record number of buyers looking for businesses right now. It is a seller's market. You could list, sell, and get more for your business now and start the next successful chapter of your life. Call 612-455-0880 today or visit sunbeltminnesota.com. Minnesota's largest seller of companies. 612-455-0880, sunbeltminnesota.com. For business owners, it can be overwhelming to start planning a transition or exit strategy, but it's so important to avoid unwanted outcomes and unexpected tax bills. The CPAs at JAK, John A. Knutson & Company, can guide you and help make sense of the numbers. Our firm was established over 90 years ago, and we've assisted countless companies with ownership transitions. Leaving your business is a process that takes time, so contact us today to discuss your situation. Visit our website at jakcpa.com. That's jakcpa.com. Hey, Poised for Exit listeners, let me tell you about an exciting new program that I produced for business owners called Business Transition Readiness Program. The Business Transition Readiness Program, or BTR for short, is an online, self-paced, cost-effective way for you, the business owner, to gain an understanding of what exit planning is, who's involved, and how to get started with the process. Learn more about this timely program now at poisedforexit.com. Use promo code BTR50 to receive $50 off your course registration. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today with Lance Madsen, who's a CPA and partner with Boulay Group. Lance, welcome to Poised for Exit. Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. This is a topic that we've actually not covered on this show before, and we are over two years in running this show. So I'm excited that we're covering it because there's so much M&A activity out there. And I've got some clients who are positioning themselves right now. And so this is a good topic for a lot of business owners and advisors to hear when we're talking about, you know, selling a business. How much do you get to keep, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very important. So, but before we do that, customarily, I like to ask my guest, how'd you get into the work that you do right now? Like what compelled you to get into this? What happened? Well, I, I played hockey for a couple of years after college, and that road came to a dead end and decided to put my accounting skills to use. 
uh, found an accounting firm that would have me for a trial basis and mm -hmm. uh, made it through the trial basis, was hired on full time, and uh, the rest is history. I, I gravitated toward tax work um, mm -hmm. as it, I found it um, challenging and interesting and have continued along that path. And so are you working primarily with privately held businesses then, or are you working with individuals as well? Um, I work primarily with small businesses and the individuals that own those businesses. Sure, of course, right. So when we talk about selling a business, you know, sometimes it has to do with the size of the business, right? Whether it's going to be a stock sale or an asset sale, but... Maybe we could just speak to the difference in tax treatment between the two. I think that's a, a really good question. Yeah, that's one of the core uh, concepts of selling a business is the difference between an asset sale and a stock sale. Mm -hmm. uh, buyers want to buy assets because by doing so, they can step up their basis in those assets that mm -hmm. they buy and get tax depreciation right off for them. So they get a uh, a current or a shorter period of uh, tax benefit by doing it that way. Um, sellers, they they would really like to sell stock if they can, because by selling stock, their entire proceeds from the sale of the stock is treated as capital gain income and subject to the lower capital gain rates. Mm -hmm. So there's some competing interests there that happen um, just from the, the buyer standpoint or the seller standpoint in, in how they would like the transaction to happen. So that's one of the core concepts of um, tax in selling a business. So is are there some criteria though? Let's maybe talk a little bit about criteria. Like when you're when you're giving advice to a client about the type of sale that you'd recommend. Maybe they're not there yet. Maybe they're just talking about hypotheticals and what ifs and trying to choose a path. Um, are there some criteria that you would deem appropriate for one way or the other? Well, almost always it, uh, in a sale of a small business, almost always it's going to be an asset sale. Mm -hmm. um, the value of the depreciation write-off um, combined with the fact that uh, a new buyer doesn't want the uh, potential liabilities that go along with buying corporate stock mm -hmm. and or uh, buying a corporation. Um, so almost always it's going to be an asset sale or an asset purchase. And so that we go into it knowing that, but there are certain circumstances where sometimes you might um, be able to uh, push it towards a stock sale. Sure, like maybe middle market, higher enterprise value could probably go stock sale versus asset sale. Correct, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Another place that I've seen it a few times in my career is, is if there are, within the corporation, if there are certain licenses um, mm -hmm. that the corporation holds that might be difficult to replace uh, by the buyer. Um, so FDA um, is a situation, the mm. Food and Drug Administration, where there's certain licenses, and, and um, I, I guess that's where I've seen it. Okay, well, that's interesting. I've got a client that would probably fall into that category. Interesting. So when we're talking about the sales price, um, how, how you allocate the assets in the price, like how, how does that all work with allocating assets in, in a transaction? Because they're not all created equal. And there obviously there's going to be benefit to one party versus the other party, and depending on how you allocate, right? So I would assume that that's something that is sometimes negotiated as well. 
Right. The allocation of the purchase price is one of the items that is um, negotiated in the mm-hmm. sale process. Mm-hmm. And so a, a seller of assets, um, a seller of a company, they can look at their balance sheet and they can see the assets that they have on that balance sheet. Um, most of them anyway. Uh, one of them that they don't necessarily see is the big one, and that's goodwill mm-hmm. um, that, that they have created over the life of their company and, and mm-hmm. that they've built up through their reputation and, and client list and um, all the other intangible assets that they might have. So, the, so you look down the balance sheet and look at the assets, and they probably have some equipment and furnishings and fixtures and computer stuff and... Um, maybe have some real estate, and then, then they're also uh, most likely going to have this goodwill asset sitting there. Which and, is the biggest asset. Which is typically the biggest asset. Mm-hmm. And the most intangible in a lot of ways, right? Right. So how do you go about turning that around so that you can actually tie metrics to that? Um, well, the what we typically do is for a seller of a business, the more purchase price that they can have allocated to the goodwill, the better the tax result for them because the goodwill is an intangible asset Mm -hmm. and that's subject to the capital gain rates, again, the lower rates. And so the more that we can push towards the intangible assets, uh, the better the um, tax result will be for the seller. And so uh, sometimes I've seen, um, if, if there's equipment on the balance sheet, I've seen companies get appraisals of the equipment and that's a way to um i guess come up with a a result or a a result that is is acceptable by both parties if if, uh equipment appraiser goes in there and says well this is what this stuff is worth Mm -hmm. then maybe that's what you uh, apply to those type of assets sure and then the residual amount goes to the goodwill it would seem the Um, lender would require that anyway um, sometimes in the bigger deals, yeah. Yeah. Yep. In yeah. a in a smaller deal, uh, a lot of times okay. you'll come up with uh, yeah. what you think that the equipment is worth, and, and then sure. the residual goes to the to goodwill. Maybe we could just break that down um, for the benefit of the listener when we talk about a smaller deal versus a bigger deal. What does that look like for you? Um, for me, I I work with companies that uh, most of the companies that I work with, the revenues are um, under twenty million. Okay. revenues. Um, so sales okay. price, you know, zero to 10 million sure. are a lot of the deals that we're working with. Got it. Okay. So for our listeners, um, many times we've talked in this show about main street businesses, lower middle market businesses, middle market businesses. So would you say that the lane that you swim in primarily would be Main Street to lower middle market. That's that's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, so let's talk about um, tax implications. Um, collecting, receiving, um, with the sales price over multiple years. So, um, you know, I'm I'm thinking of is that the same as a carryover? What? Let's talk about that. Yeah, with um, oftentimes in a deal, the seller is not going to collect the sales price in one year. Um, oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes they'll uh, like an they, earnout, like an earnout, mm-hmm. or they might even um, finance part of it. And right. so, in those cases, if they're financing the deal and they've got a note for mm-hmm. five years, they they'll collect that sales price over five years. Mm-hmm. 
Um, in that case, they can spread out the tax implications over right. the five years, over the period of collection. Sure, sure. When we're talking about like a smaller deal, let's say, for instance, you have a client, they sold their business for $6.5 million. Um, they sold it internally to a management team or um, family member. Um, what does a deal structure, a typical deal structure look like in a transaction like that? Um, in, a, in a situation like that, it, um, oftentimes it can be a redemption by the company of the shareholder's stock and then issuance of stock to the family member or the management team. And so there's different ways you can structure that. Or, or um, if the family member or the um, management team is able to get financing, they can go out and they, mm-hmm. can, they can purchase that directly from the owner the, or, or the assets directly mm-hmm. from the owner. Um, so there's, there's multiple ways that that situation could be handled. It seems, though, and the reason why I asked this question, Lance, is because it seems like these kinds of scenarios are coming up a lot where they, the, the owners really, the founders really want to sell the business internally. The buyers don't have the money to buy it. They have the expertise to be able to run it, um, but buying it is a challenge. And so figuring out a way to make that work so that, you know, the seller's not on the hook for the rest of their life and that the buyer has some skin in the game so that they can actually get some kind of financing. Yeah, a lot of times the cash flow from the business can help with that purchase. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on a deal right now with one of my clients that is in that situation. And uh, we're looking at um, uh, helping out one of the associates to be able to purchase that stock over time or the, the assets of that business over time. Okay, um, so you're holding so. like an equity account for them or some kind of a stay bonus account or what, what do you... Yeah, we're um, we're starting out with issuing some stock to them as uh, compensation, and so they're going to have to pay a little bit of tax on that initial chunk of stock that they get, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the deal is going to be structured as a redemption of the current owner's stock by the company. And so as, as the um, company has the ability to pay off the, the price to our current owner, um, their ownership is going to decrease and um, the the buyer mm-hmm. is going to their stock will increase over time as mm-hmm. this happens and we're we're structuring it we're looking at uh, a five-year uh, situation here okay um, if the purchase price is uh, able to be paid off sooner than that we're going to go ahead and do that okay but this is a situation where the owner um, has th- th- they've got a they don't really need the money. Um, it's a legacy situation. They want to keep the business going, mm-hmm. and they want to help this person be successful. Sure. And, and so they're maybe they're not um, obtaining the highest price that they can, right? But they're going to attain their goal of legacy by by making it work this way. And there's no lender involved in that situation. Um, we are going to have the the buyer come in with a little bit of equity mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. yeah, that's always a good idea. So we've talked a little bit about how to defer tax on the sale of a business, but are there some other tips, advice, you know, possible paths that owners can take so that they can spread it out? Um, yeah, there's there's a few different, I mean, structuring it as a, an installment sale, mm-hmm. uh, that means you collect it over time, and you, mm-hmm. you mentioned an earnout, so... 
a lot of times we'll see earnouts in deals. And so you've got a purchase price and then there's some stipulations in the agreement that say if you, uh, if, if the company performs at this level or higher, then mm-hmm. there's going to be additional amounts that are put towards the purchase price or the sales price. Um, that will allow the, the seller of the business to uh, pay the tax over time uh, that mm-hmm. they collect it. Um, usually those um, are structured as uh, one, two, or three-year deals. Um, beyond mm-hmm. beyond two years is, yeah. is, I don't see that very often. No. But usually the first couple of years, if there's performance when the um, seller is sticking around to help transition and, and mm-hmm. there's performance that they can um, obtain a higher sales price. Are there any um, options in terms of actually excluding tax on the sale of a business? There, there are some options. They're, they're somewhat limited. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you know about these options going into a, a potential transaction, mm-hmm. they, they can be a home run. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen it happen a couple of times in my career. And, and one of those is a sale of qualified small business stock. And it's mm-hmm. a special code section of the uh, Internal Revenue Code, um, section 1202. And that code provision allows you to exclude gain from the sale of qualified small business stock. And so the the qualified small business stock has to be a C corporation. Mm. And so a lot of times that's the the killer of the deal right there is that sure. you don't, you're not selling a C corporation. You're either selling a S corporation or a partnership, right? Um, but if you've got a C corporation and you sell the shares of that stock, um, there's a possibility of excluding the gain, hmm. and you can exclude up to ten million dollars. And so I've got uh, a client right now that has a really, really good idea that they're working on um, patents for. It's a manufacturing company, and and their plan is to get this product um, built and off the ground. And and, um, and then after five years, there's a five-year waiting period for this exclusion under 1202. Um, and so they're waiting. They hopefully have everything up and running, and, and then um, they've got a couple of target buyers out there for them. And, and if uh, they can sell it after five years and ramp things up, uh, they've structured their new company as a C corporation so that they're eligible for this exclusion. Okay, and that's the five-year waiting period? That's, yeah. Okay. Is there any other criteria besides that? Like, you said something about IP. Um, Is there some kind of specific asset that has to be a part of a transition like this, or...? Um, no, it just has to be an operating company. Okay. So Section 1202 is if it's C-Corporation okay. and you acquire the stock in the original issuance of the C-Corporation, um, it can't. the corporation can't have more than $50 million in assets, so it's got to be a smaller company, mm-hmm. and, and then the five-year waiting period. Got so it. You, Very interesting. Well, you're right, though. Most of those smaller companies are not C-Corps. Right, so. right, and so if if you do know about it going in, um, as these guys did when they were structuring this new company, uh, we were able to tell them about this, and then they this this in their business plan was very attractive, and so that's the reason that mm. they structured it as a C corp to start out with. Interesting. Yeah. All right, listeners, you heard it here. <laughs> very good. So, um, one more question for you, Lance. Sure. Let's talk about Boulay. Let's talk about what you guys have got going on. What What does the future look like for Boulay? What 
Um, what are your goals as a company for 2023? Anything that you're working on right now that you want to share with our listeners? Well, we've got a lot of really good things going on. We're really, uh, we've been able to grow a lot in the last few years and things just continue to, to grow for us, um, which has given us some great opportunities. We've got into um, some IT risk advisory services. Uh, I've got a partner that's um, taken over that area or developed that area and things are going great guns over there. Um, we have a transaction group that, um, you know, just five years ago was sort of just getting started out and now they're going great guns. I think we have about uh, 10 to 12 people in that group now that are mm-hmm. uh, providing business valuation services mm-hmm. and transaction advisory services, due diligence, um, modeling, uh, deal modeling services. And so that group is just showing a lot of growth there. We can, we, mm-hmm. we believe that that area is going to continue to grow like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our core services of audit and tax, um, the, they, we continue to get new clients in, in those areas too. Super. So. Glad to hear about that transaction group. I think that's smart. I know a few of those people in that group. So, yeah, All they're right. just they're just very busy. It seems like they're um, the deals just continue to go on and go on here. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. A um, lot more that we could be talking about, but Bob's given me the signal that it's time to end. So we're going to wrap up. Lance, thanks again for for joining us today. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us. Please review, subscribe, and follow us. Poisedforexit.com is where you can find all of those other episodes on this wonderful show with all these wonderful people. We really do appreciate you following and subscribing. Join us again next time. Hey, everybody. There's an exciting event coming up October 6th in the Twin Cities. Mark your calendars for the fourth annual Owners Forum hosted by the Twin Cities Metro Area Chapter of the Exit Planning Institute. Our keynote speaker will be Super Bowl champion Ben Utecht. Ben is going to speak to us about how a strong company culture drives enterprise value. You won't want to miss this. For more information, check out the link in our show notes for this episode.